Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning. Welcome to Truth Talk. My name is Jeremy Bard. I'm the evangelist at Traders Point Church of Christ. John, who's normally with me, is on vacation this week. And so we have with us this morning Brandon Hawk, who was with us a couple of weeks ago. And it is excited to have him. So good morning, Brandon. Good morning. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning, really the back half of that chapter. And so if you've got a Bible handy, you can be following along with us. We're going to pick up, generally speaking there in in verse 10, with a a picture that is given to us by Paul that I think for the most part a lot of people are familiar with. At least on some level, you got that the picture of the armor of God, and they're going to be have some familiarity with it. If they're not super in tune with the specifics of it, we'll get into that. But I think in general they've got you know a pretty good idea of it. So I, I thought Brandon would be good for us here at the very beginning to kind of set in stage a little bit of where we are context-wise. It, you know, the book of Ephesians isn't necessarily long, just six chapters. But we are at the very end, really. I mean, this picture of the putting on the armor of God and all of these specific pieces is really coming towards the very end. I mean, really, literally at the very end of Paul's letter here to the brethren in Ephesus. So I'll throw it your way here at the very beginning. I certainly think there's significance to it, and I think you do as well. But what are some of the benefits we're going to get just contextually over the fact that this is a picture that Paul's wanting to conclude his story with? Yeah. Well, one of the things I love about Ephesians is it divides up really nicely <laughs> yeah. into two halves. <laughs> so, of course, there's six <laughs> chapters, and, you know, the first half, you know, you can you can summarize in a variety of different ways. But you might think about the first half really being our, what is our identity as Christians? Or what is our calling as Christians? And, and so that's really the first half. And so chapter 3 begins with, therefore walk worthy of the calling of which you've been called. So the last half is really our walk yeah. as Christians. And so it's really focusing on what our behavior should be as Christians. And so as you mentioned this part of chapter 6 is really at the end, and he really ends in an epic way, yeah. a really epic way. And basically he calls his people to war and talks about the, the spiritual warfare that we're in. So there's a lot of really good things to talk about here at the end. Yeah, I love that the word that you use, epic, because I, I, I think you're right. I mean, this is a stark image that Paul is putting on their minds, certainly here, and even for us. I mean, it is that stark image of war. And uh, listen, it's not playtime. It's not sit on the sidelines time. It's not stand back and watch time. I mean, Paul is painting a picture that it, it is a time to get in it. I mean, that's that's the picture that he's given right here. I mean, we're, we're not generally in 2019, you know, dressing up in, you know, the kind of armor that we're seeing here in Ephesians chapter 6. But you know, it, it is that uniform situation. I, I think for me, you know, maybe one of the best parallels is, is on the football field. I mean, you know, you have the picture of, of someone who's going to be on the field and they have a certain amount of padding that they're going to wear. They're always going to have a helmet on. They've got shoulder pads on. They've got, you know, things on their thighs. They've got things protecting their knees. I mean, they've got all of these, you know, things on and it's those people that are on the field. The guys standing on the sidelines, 
They, they may not have a helmet on, or they may be in street clothes if they're hurt or whatever, but those guys aren't in the game. And so the picture I think that Paul has given to the Christian is that there's no standing on the sidelines. There's no watching everybody else go, go after it. You are in war. We'll talk about it here in just a second. We'll get into verses 10 and 11. Your enemy's coming after you. I mean, whether you want to be in it or not, he's, he's coming. And so you, you've got to be ready for it. And I like that word that you give, that epic kind of picture. And it, in a lot of ways, it draws everything down to all of these walks that we have. And that's a huge theme throughout the book of Ephesians, that it, it comes down to this. You need to prepare yourself for life. You need to prepare yourself for war. And certainly that's exactly where Paul is leaving it. Yeah. I think we really need this today in our society because it's so easy for us. I know for me just to wake up, you know, just go through your daily routine and really forget like we're in a war and it's easy just to get really lax and just kind of take it easy and just kind of go about your day. But this is something we really got to take seriously. Yeah, and and I think that's one of the biggest keys. And so we have really here at the very beginning, before he gets into all of these various pieces, he kind of paints a picture of who it is that's coming after us. And and I think that's always good for us to remember. I mean, we get pictures of Satan specifically and the devil and the way he goes about things. I mean, you, you can go literally back to the very beginning of your Bible and you begin to see a picture forming uh, about how he operates. You know, he's going to operate with lies. He's going to operate with deceit. He's going to operate in those kinds of ways, as we made mention, even from the very beginning with Eve. And you see him portrayed that way and operating that way throughout biblical history. And you have passages that will paint him as the father of lies. You have passages like Peter will talk about him as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I think in a lot of ways that becomes one of the biggest, most important pictures to us because we've got to keep in mind Satan isn't coming after us just to kind of push us a little bit or he's, you know, just to kind of get in our way or to cause little minor issues or grievances with us. He is coming after us to devour us. He is coming after us to destroy us. And so why do you think it's important that that kind of understanding or comprehension maybe is a better word? Why is that level of comprehension important for us, do you think? Well, we need to know what we're up against, yeah. and it's certainly, I mean, it's no wonder he starts out with be strong, <laughs> because, you know, anytime someone starts out with that be strong, in whatever context, you know, you're about to face something really difficult, and so, especially with the enemy that we're facing, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned how Satan attacks, you know, he talks about the schemes of the mm-hmm. devil. That's a really scary picture. I mean, this is somebody who's actively planning how to defeat us. And so that's someone we got to be prepared for. And so I think that's what Paul's really going to see is we got to be ready for this because this enemy is active and he's constantly trying to find ways to bring us down. Yeah, and I think when you start to look here at the very beginning of this passage in Ephesians 6, to me there's a couple of things that stand out that are pretty important, words really that stand out. And one of them you see in verse 11, you see the same kind of idea given to us in verse 13, where he's talking about this armor of God, but he talks about the importance of putting on the whole armor of God. And I actually have that underlined here in my Bible that's sitting in front of me. You put on the whole armor of God. And again in verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God. And so you, you have this picture that's given to us, and then the various pieces that we'll talk about. 
But I think Paul is trying to get us to understand that it's important. We need all of the things that God has given us to equip ourselves with. We need each and every piece. Every piece has got to be in place. Every piece has got to be strong. Every piece has got to be right. Every single piece. Because if we, I think the picture is the devil is to a point where if we have everything where it needs to be, but we don't put our helmet on, Satan's coming after our head. Or if we have everything exactly right, but we don't have our feet shod the way that they need to be, Satan's coming after our feet. And so that's how he's going to operate. And so I think the picture is it's not just, hey, I'm going to make sure that, you know, I've got, you know, a couple pieces kind of playing around with. Everything has to be on. Everything has to be strong. Everything has to be right because of the adversary that we have coming after us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can pretty much say anytime we give in to temptation, it's because we're missing one of these oh, yeah, pieces. That's a good point. That is why this is so significant. Anytime we fall, it's because we don't have one of these pieces of armor on. So we better understand what this armor is and how we should put it on. And and certainly another a point I see in this is this strength is not our strength. It's mm. be strong in the Lord. He didn't just say be strong. He said be strong in the Lord. And that's because of the enemy that we're facing. He is, Satan's stronger than us. He really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's why we have to draw our strength from the Lord, and that's where the armor comes in. Yeah, I think even, you know, that's an interesting point that you make about Satan and his power. He has power. I mean, there's, there's no question about that. He, he has power. Now, it's limited. It's a limited right. power. But it is power, and it's stronger than the power that I have on my own. It's the power that you have on your own. And so I, I think you're right. That's where you have Paul. Listen, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Uh, you know, a great example of that, I think, is Job. I mean, you, you have a demonstration of everybody's power in that picture. You have Satan almost coming to God, asking for permission uh, about what he can do to Job, and then God putting limitation. I mean, putting boundaries on that. And so you have the picture of God has ultimate power, even certainly more so than even Satan has, because yeah. Satan, and Satan acknowledges that at the very beginning of the book of Job. But yet in, in the midst of all of that, Job, <laughs> there was nothing he could do. I mean, he had to stand back and he had to take all of that. I mean, listen, Satan was getting given permission to, to go after him, and man, he went after him, and there wasn't anything Job could do. And so you have, I think, this picture, and then listen, the whole rest of the book of Job is... Job needs God. I mean, that's the, I mean, that's, you know, you want to, that's boiling a pretty long book down to, you know, it's pretty basic form, but it, it's Job coming to that realization that, man, I, I need God. And then that's where we are. Yeah. Satan has the power. He's got the power to destroy us, but we can withstand him with God's power. And that really, to me, is the second most important word here at the very beginning. One is put the whole armor of God, and the other is stand. I mean, it, it is that word that you see over and over. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Verse 13, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. And then the very beginning of all of these pieces in verse 14, stand therefore. And so you have this picture in the just a few verses over and over you want to be able to stand you put on this armor that God has given to us you tap into his power 
And when Satan comes to push us over, to knock us over, to destroy us, no, we can withstand that and be standing tall in the face of it. Absolutely. I think you're right. I mean, and, and I think Paul has a, a couple of different motives here. Obviously, it is in some ways to scare us. In some ways, it's to intimidate us to where we do need to see our need for the Lord. But you're right. It also it gives us hope when he keeps saying that over, over and over again to stand firm. And we can stand firm. That ought to give us a lot of, uh, a lot of hope and a lot of reason to have peace of mind as Satan is strong. And, and the thing is, Satan's not by himself here. He talks about the spiritual forces of right. darkness. These are very powerful people, but they're not powerful enough to bring us down if we're relying on the Lord. And that is a, a very comforting passage. Yeah. And so we have this picture. Satan's coming after us. We have the ability to stand if we have the whole armor of God. And then I find it, I do find it interesting, even though this is a passage that I've read you know, lots of times, I still find it interesting how it is that Paul goes to break down all of these various pieces. And, and, and you know, it, it kind of, he's painting a whole picture. I mean, that's, hopefully we've made that point already. Yeah. I mean, even though there's individual things that's talked about here, the, the picture is still a whole. And maybe that's, you know, before we get into all of these pieces, maybe that's a point we need to make again. That, you know, sometimes we can get so you know, kind of intertwined in all of these specific pieces. And we'll do some of that this morning here in the next few minutes. But we can't do that to the point where we lose sight of. He's not painting a picture of just this. And then, hey, take a step back. And then let's paint another picture of this. And let's paint another picture of this. And let's paint another picture of this. No, Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18 is a whole picture, one picture. It's got a few pieces to it, but it is one picture. Not, hey, this is important, this is important, this is important. No, he's painting a picture that this is important. And so uh, hopefully we've made that point already, but we, we, need, we need all of these things working together. And if you leave just one of these things out, you've not put on the whole armor of God. You will miss out on, I think you're right to say, the hope that's in this passage. You, you, leave, you leave one thing out, you miss out on the entirety of the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. War, however you think about it, it's an ugly thing. It's, mm. it's, people die in war. And so this is, a, this, is, this is about war, and this is about how do we win this war. And thankfully, Jesus has won. And he's left us with the pieces that we need to be victorious as well. And that's another interesting fact, which we wouldn't have time to get into now, is <laughs> this is the armor that Jesus wore himself. Uh, talks about that in Isaiah, that there's actually these pieces of armor mentioned that God put on. And so he's left this armor for us, too, to be victorious. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's get into it just a little bit in the time that we have left. We'll try to take some of these you know, together a little bit, even though they're certainly broken up individually. But I think the first two we can kind of talk about together just a little bit there in verse 14. The verse says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And so Paul is beginning with this metaphor to equip the soldier. I mean, that's, you know, that's what he's doing. And so he's talking first of that you're girding your waist. The, the thing that basically is holding everything together. Yeah. I mean, that's the picture of on this soldier. Everything is held together, and everything is held together, he says, with truth. And you've got the breastplate of righteousness, things that are right. 
And so, you know, it's interesting the, the way that truth is used, you know, throughout the New Testament. I mean, you know, it's easy for us to see the great contrast between Satan, the father of lies, and here, girding ourselves with truth. But it's what's said about truth, I think, in the New Testament that really is important. You know, John 8 comes to mind, you know, certainly with, with Jesus. And when he's talking, even in that entire context of, listen, sin enslaves you. That, that's what it does. That's the picture that Jesus himself paints. But then he talks there in that same context about the truth and that the truth is there to make us free. And so in, in, in lots of ways, it is the truth that frees us. Jesus himself in the Gospel of John will make the point. I am the truth. You know, I am the truth, the way. I am the one. And so it, it is leaning everything upon God's promises. It's a promise he's making right here in Ephesians 6, really. I mean, it's yeah. you put on this whole armor of God, you're going to be able to stand. And so it's a promise, and so we're putting everything, we're holding everything together with the truth of God. Yeah, like you said, I mean, it's the foundational garment. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't have this, you're not going to stand. <laughs> uh, like you said, what, how Satan works is he just throws these lies at us, constantly throws these lies at us. And so if we don't have truth, we become enslaved to those lies. And that's the thing, truth is so liberating. I mean, you can take a, a variety of examples, but this thing about the truth of... You know, the only person we really need to worry about pleasing in life is God. That is so liberating to get to the point where you're not worried about pleasing everybody. Yeah. That is so liberating. And so we have to have this foundational garment of truth if we're going to stand. And, of course, the, the breastplate, obviously, is the idea of pr protecting our vital organs. And so if we don't have this righteousness, Satan gets to our heart. And so... I, I think you're right. I think these go very hand-in-hand hand together. Yeah, I mean, righteousness in a lot of ways, you know, a lot of times we're, when we try to define that word, we, we often use the word. I mean, it is to live right. It mm -hmm. is to, you know, to be right. And in a lot of ways, that's, you know, that's a pretty good definition when we start to think about it. And it is that having the truth and putting use of it, I mean, making use of it, I mean, is, is living the right thing. It is applying those things. It's dictating your life in the, in the right kind of way. And again, it, it is an incredible contrast between the way that, that Satan operates. I mean, it, we've made mention to, of it already, but you go all the way back to the very, very beginning with Eve there in the garden. She knew what the truth was. I mean, you know, Satan comes to her and says, hey, listen, can you eat of anything? And, and, and Eve says, well, we can, except that one tree that God says, hey, you know, if you eat of this tree, he said we're going to die. And she's right. That's exactly what he says. But what's the very next thing that comes out of the serpent's mouth? No, 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 no. You, you're not going to die. And she starts to step back from the truth and then says, well, maybe I won't. And now she's taken that girdle off. I mean, that's what she's done there. She's, she's taken that girdle off. I'm not interested in the truth anymore. And you made mention, when we fall to temptation, we've taken something off. I mean, we've taken yeah. one of these pieces off, and that's what she's done. And, and it's important for us to understand, in a certainly religious culture even that we live in, where we are surrounded by people telling us, well, this is what God wants, this is what God wants. It's important not to say or listen to what man says God wants. Well, we've got his book right here in front of us. 
I don't have to know what man says God wants. I can look for myself to see what God wants. And it's important, I think, in our religious culture even today of not to get wrapped up into that and lose sight of what the truth is in the way that God has given it right to us. Yeah, we're girding ourselves with God's truth. We're not girding ourselves with human tradition. We're right. not girding, our, girding ourselves with human philosophy. You know, I, I can't help but think of the passage in Ephesians 4 where it talks about the people who are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. That's what happens when you don't have a, a good foundation. I mean, you just, you just believe whatever comes, whatever's the most popular thing. And I, you see that so much with our society today. It's whatever the most popular belief is, that's, that must be it. And you just, you're all over the place. There's no solid foundation unless you have this. Yeah, and it is exactly what God has given us. And so we've got to really make sure that is where it needs to be. And so we have that there in, in verse 14. In verse 15, it talks about shodding our feet, shodding our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so you have, again, back to the metaphor that Paul is using with the soldier and how important those shoes were, those feet. I mean, you know, it, it, history tells us that oftentimes for the Roman soldier at this time, they would even put nails in the bottom of their shoes to kind of almost what we would have a you know modern day cleat or a spike that you know someone on the sports field might use. They would do that so that they would have better grip, that they would be able to again stand strong. I mean that's the picture that's given to us here, and so the importance of that footwear and in them standing strong. Paul is going to say, you shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And you start to talk about the importance of the gospel, what the gospel stands for, what it represents. Paul will make reference in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, about the power even that the gospel has. And we talk about what the gospel is. It is that good news. It is that message that Jesus is all about. He brings peace. He brings freedom. He brings all of those things to us and how important it is to have those things close to us all the time. Yeah. And I think it's kind of interesting. Like, we're talking about war here, but we're girding ourselves with the gospel of peace. Yeah. You know, that's, that's to me, that's an interesting idea. And I think you, you see this idea throughout the Bible of, you know, you have a passage in Isaiah where it talks about how beautiful are the feet of those who preach glad tidings of good things. Yeah. So I think some of the aspect of it is like we're always, we just always have that good news with us and we're always ready to share that good news. There might be even a defensive and offensive aspect of this, of ourselves being rooted in the gospel, but also we're trying to spread this peace to other people. And so if we don't, I mean, if we don't have our shoes on, we're not going to do very well. So that's a, that's a very important aspect. Yeah, and again, not to overstate the point, but it, it is the whole that we're talking about. I mean, it is, it is that complete. Listen, you've got to have the truth. You've got to be righteous and live righteously. You've got to be all about the gospel. It's got to be at the centermost focus of our life. And I think you make a good point, not necessarily just for us, and certainly it is, but so much so that, that we are, we're overflowing with it. And the people that we come in contact with, I mean, they're going to get the gospel, you know, on them just by getting close to us mm -hmm. because it's so much, you know, a part of who we are and what we're all about. It, it is in every place that we go. Maybe that's another way that it talks, you know, being just on our feet. I mean, it is, it, it is peace. It is comfort. It is, uh, again, as Paul will say in the book of Philippians, it's, it's peace that he has that he can't even put into words. I mean, the yeah. peace that comes from God is is not even describable. 
And so it is this kind of thing that we've got to have with us all the time. In the next verse, verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith in which you'll be able to, stay, uh, able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. I, I think it's interesting that he puts this reminder in for us about the wicked one, about yeah. Satan. I, you know, he already kind of painted him just a few verses before mm-hmm. in a pretty dangerous light. And we're, I mean, we're just a few verses, and he, he goes back to that. And I was looking at this yesterday, and I was just thinking about it again. I, I, I do find that interesting, that just a couple of verses, he goes right back to it. To, to almost make the point, listen, you need to not take these things lightly. I think that's the, that's the picture. It's not something to be taken lightly. It is serious trouble if you're not prepared in this way. If you don't have the shield of faith, you know, almost the very base of, of who the Christian is. You know, Peter, there in Second Peter chapter 1, when he's painting the picture of growth, you know, for the Christian, and you have all of those, you know, add to this and add to this. Well, all of those things are added to our faith. Add to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge. I mean, in a lot of ways, faith is the very basis of, of everything that we are and certainly who we are as a follower of God. Yeah, you know, Paul talks about, I believe in 2 Corinthians 5, we walk by faith, not by mm, sight. Yeah. Well, for one thing, I mean, we can't see Satan, you know? <laughs> right. That's, not, that's what makes this so challenging is we can't see satan so if we don't have the faith part why bother even worrying about him right and Mm -hmm. so we have to have this faith to believe that this is even a real deal and and like you said he really really is emphasizing especially like it says all the flaming it's not just arrows it's flaming arrows Mm -hmm. i mean that's like their modern day version of like nuclear weapons you know Yeah. yeah satan is trying to destroy us and so if we don't have faith, if we don't have this, you know, we're not even going to be putting up a fight. Right. And, and so we've got to have that. And then, and then finally here in verse 17, this last picture of the actual metaphor that we have of the soldier, you have the helmet of salvation and then the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so I think, you know, in the helmet of salvation, we've talked about this a little bit. I think in a lot of ways that points us in that direction of hope. And I think that's what salvation, I mean, you know, salvation certainly plays a pivotal role throughout the entirety of the New Testament, where it is that that Christ is able, through the sacrifice that he makes, to, to pull us from the depths of sin, which leads to death, to now having the hope that we are free from that bondage. And now we have the eternal life that's in front of us. And so you have this incredible hope that's laid out for us there, and that it's it helps us with our focus, I think, in a lot of ways. I think that's why it is our helmet of salvation, you know, there around our face and our eyes and our mind. It helps to point us in the right focus, and I think hope is our anchor. The New Testament talks about all of those kinds of things, and so we need to, you know, be thinking about it in those, those ways. And then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Yeah. That is our offensive weapon, yeah. the sword of the Spirit. You know, it's not just us just hunkering down and hoping Satan goes away. We're on the attack as well. Yeah. I mean, the idea of, obviously, we think about, like, an example of Jesus and when he's tempted. I mean, he just threw verses at him one by one. It is written. It is written. And that's what we got to do. we got to have God's Word on our minds that shows the need to be studying and to sharpen our swords to be on the attack, not just to— to hope he goes away, but we are ourselves are 
on the offensive with this. Yeah, and we and you know we don't have the time to dig into this too deep, but you know, Paul again in Second Corinthians chapter ten, you know, it talks about that. You know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. And they're there, like you said, not not to that we're cowering in the corner, but he says there in verse four, for pulling down strongholds, for casting down arguments, verse six, to ready to punish all disobedience. And so it, it isn't certainly it's not the picture of, hey, I'm cowering in the corner. But listen, Satan is going after souls, and as ambassadors to Christ, we need to be doing the same thing on behalf of, of behalf of Christ. And, and that takes that takes being out there. It takes being out there on the field. And I think that, in a lot of ways, is the the picture that we have. Well, our time is getting low. You made mention as we were just uh, beginning about the importance of, of verse 18, about, about prayer. So, you know, I'll give you the last minute or so left on, you know, he kind of closes the metaphor a little bit, but he concludes the idea really with the importance of yeah. prayer. Well, we talked about we're facing a very strong enemy, a very powerful foe. But the thing is, we have a stronger person on our side. So you might even think about prayer as summoning that, mm. that great person that's on our side to go on the offensive for us. And, you know, you think about someone as strong as Paul. If Paul's asking for prayers, we better be doing that as well. <laughs> you know, someone who's boldly preaching the gospel is in prison. He asks for prayers for boldness. Paul knows he can't do this on his own. On his own. And we already emphasize we can't do this on our, on our own. So part of being strong in the Lord is relying on Him through prayer. And that is another powerful aspect of the armor that maybe we, do, we miss sometimes. This is part of the armor. This is part of our lives as soldiers of Christ. Well, that's a, good, a great place to, to end it this morning. We appreciate you listening so well this morning and studying along with us from this passage in Ephesians chapter 6. Again, we are uh, with Traders Point Church of Christ, and we'd love for you not just to listen here on this radio show, but if you've got opportunity to visit with us, we'd love for you to come and visit with us. We're on the northwest side of Indianapolis, the corner of 82nd Street and Lafayette Road. We uh, meet together at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings, uh, 6 p.m. on Sunday nights, and we would love for you to come by and visit with us and and see what we're all about. Let us introduce Christ to you even. We'd love to have you be with us at any time. But most of all, we're thankful now that you've listened to the show. If you've got any questions or comments that we can help you with, you let us know, and we will uh, do our best. But again, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again next time. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.